Concluding observations. For the sake of brevity, I have mentioned only a few witnesses of all of the prophecies that have been recorded here. However, by the grace of God Almighty, there are thousands of witnesses in whose presence these prophecies were made and fulfilled. Indeed, the number of witnesses amounts to many hundreds of thousands for some of the prophecies. I had intended to record as many as 300 signs in this book, and to record all of those signs that are noted in my book Nuzulul Masih, Tiriakul Qulub, etc., and some new signs so as to make the total of 300. But for three days I have been sick, and today, September 29, 1906, I am so overwhelmed by illness and am so weak and frail that I have become unable to write. God willing, these 300 signs or more than that will be recorded in Brahina Ahmadiyya Part 5. In the end, I deem it necessary to write that if someone is not satisfied with these signs, and such a person happens to be from among those who claim to receive revelation, there is another avenue open to him that, in opposition to me, he should continue to publish his revelations for a period of one year in two newspapers of his people, and on the other hand, I should publish all that is revealed to me by God Almighty of the matters of the unseen in two newspapers of my Jamaat. The condition which is binding upon both parties is that each of the revelations published in the newspapers should be such that every one of them should consist of matters of the unseen and should be such matters of the unseen that are beyond human capability. And then, after one year, it will be determined through judges which side enjoys dominance and preponderance, and which prophecies of each party have been fulfilled. If after this test my opponent party dominates and I am not proven to be dominant, I will be considered false. Otherwise, it will be incumbent upon the people that they should fear God Almighty, give up the practice of rejection and denial, and not ruin their afterlife by opposing one who has been commissioned by God. It should be borne in mind that their objections prove, if anything, that their hearts are replete with the dust and darkness of prejudice, and their eyes are covered by the veils of malice and jealousy. Take, for instance, the repeated assertion that the prophecy concerning Deputy Atham was not fulfilled. Is it an objection based on honesty that the prophecy concerning Atham was not fulfilled? Is it not true that more than eleven years have passed since Atham died and now there is no trace of him on earth? That he did retract is borne out by as many as seventy witnesses when right in the midst of the debate he refrained from referring to the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him as the Dajjal. Furthermore, he continued to weep for as many as fifteen months. This prophecy was conditional as the prophecy had these words, provided he does not incline toward the truth. Since he retracted, and that too in the presence of witnesses, many of whom are still alive, is it a sign of any purity of heart not to desist, even until now, from raising objections? Similarly, out of sheer prejudice and ignorance, they object that the prophecy regarding Ahmed Ber's son-in-law has not been fulfilled. With a surprising lack of honesty, they do not so much as mention the name Ahmed Ber when raising this objection, nor what happened to him. Out of sheer mendacity, they highlight only one limb of the prophecy, while concealing the other, deliberately deceiving people. The truth of the matter is that this prophecy comprised of two limbs, one limb concerning Ahmed Bar and the other concerning Ahmed Bar's son-in-law. Ahmed Bar, in keeping with the terms of the prophecy, died within the prescribed time frame. 
great shock was suffered by the hearts of his heirs as a result of his death, and they were filled with fear. Of course, it is part of human nature that if two persons are the objects of the same calamity that is impending, and one of them dies due to the descent of that calamity, then the person who is still alive, as well as his heirs, become extremely frightened and apprehensive. Since this prophecy, like the prophecy about Atham, was conditional, those people became deeply frightened and worried at the death of Ahmed Bar, and they supplicated, gave alms and charity, and some of them wrote letters to me full of deep humility and respect, which are still in my possession. Footnote start. This prophecy contained the conditional revelation, which was printed and published at the time, namely, meaning, woman, be penitent, be penitent, for the calamity is about to befall your daughter and the daughter's daughter. Accordingly, her daughter was visited by the calamity that her husband, Mirza Ahmed Bagh, died. But after Ahmed Bagh's death, her daughter's daughter, on account of fear, supplication, and almsgiving, was saved from the visitation by this calamity until such time as is in the knowledge of God Almighty alone. Footnote end. As a result, God Almighty delayed the fulfillment of this prophecy in accordance with its condition. But the pity of it is that these people who raise a clamor about Ahmed Bech's son-in-law on every occasion and mention it in periodicals and newspapers never mention the prophecy in a comprehensive fashion with decency and honesty. They fail to mention in any publication that this prophecy had two limbs, one of which, namely Ahmed Bech's death, had been duly fulfilled within the prescribed time frame. On the contrary, on every possible occasion and opportunity, indeed in every meeting, magazine, and newspaper, they always lament about Ahmadar's son-in-law, and not about the one who actually died. Such decency and honesty is the exclusive prerogative of the present-day Maldives. Another similar objection they raise is that the humiliation of Maulmi Muhammad Hussein and his associates was foretold in one of the prophecies, but he has not been humiliated. What a pity! These people do not realize that what is humiliating for one category of people may not be so for others. Is he not the same only Muhammad Hussain who had so boastfully said, I'm the one who elevated this man and now I will be the one to bring him down? Now, did he bring me down? Is Mami Muhammad Hussain not the one who had claimed that I did not know even a single tense of Arabic? But whereas I wrote some 20 books of prose and poetry in Arabic and he, Muhammad Hussain, was challenged to write comparably, he could not write even one single book in Arabic up to par with me. Is Malwi Muhammad Hussain not the same one when I extended an invitation to sit down with me and write exegesis of the Holy Quran in Arabic was found wanting in this competition? In similar vein are his domestic acrimonies and humiliation upon which I would rather not dwell. So, despite all these things, did he suffer no humiliation. And no one knows what is destined for the future, because there is no time frame with regard to a prophecy of warning. Indeed, it can even be averted through penitence and remorse. Footnote start, Allah the Almighty says in the Holy Quran, meaning, if this messenger is a liar, he himself will perish. But if he is truthful, then some of his prophecies of warning shall befall you. Surah Al-Mu'min, chapter 40, verse 29 of the Holy Quran. It is not said here that all shall be fulfilled. Thus, God has clearly stated here that it is not necessary for all the prophecies of warning to be fulfilled. Rather, some can be averted. If this was not the purpose of the divine word, 
God Almighty would have said instead, But if he is truthful, then all that which he threatens you with will surely befall you. However, God did not say this. Footnote end. Besides, it should also be remembered that the prophecies about which our opposing Maldives raise such hue and cry are no more than three or four. These are prophecies of warning, and it is not necessary, according to the decisive dictum of the Holy Quran and Hadith, for the prophecies of warning to be fulfilled. The reason is that they portend the coming of a calamity, and 124,000 prophets are unanimous in that every calamity can be averted through charity, alms, prayer, and humble and tearful supplication. Even a simpleton can understand that a calamity that God has intended to send down and the knowledge concerning it is limited to God alone and no prophet is informed about it, is simply designated a calamity. But when the prophet is informed about that calamity, the same is known as a prophecy of warning. Thus, if the fulfillment of a prophecy of warning is essential under all circumstances, then it must be conceded that a calamity must strike in all circumstances, whereas I have just explained that a calamity can be averted by resorting to charity, almsgiving, and prayer, etc. Footnote start. The calamity about which God warns through a prophet or a messenger or a muhaddath deserves more to be averted than that about which no warning is given, for warning implies that God Almighty intends to avert that calamity if one repents, seeks forgiveness, or supplicates, or gives in alms and charity. If a warning prophecy cannot be averted, it will have to be conceded that a calamity can never be averted. This would be against the accepted principles of faith. Moreover, in that case, it will amount to belief that charity, alms, repentance, and supplication are of no avail at the time when the calamity has descended. Footnote end. All prophets have a consensus on this. Therefore, these mean assaults that these people, known as Malvis, hurl upon me, are indeed a cause for extreme surprise and one wonders. Do these people ever read the Holy Quran and do they ever study the Hadith? Are they yet unaware of the prophecy of Prophet Yunus, Jonah, which is detailed in the book Dure Manzur? It had no condition attached to it, yet all of these people were saved from punishment because of their repentance. And when Yunus, despite being a prophet of God, wondered why his prophecy had not been fulfilled and why those people had not perished, he tasted chastisement by way of warning, and because of this objection on his part, he suffered great afflictions. If that pure-hearted prophet suffered so much grief as the consequence of his objection, then what will be the plight of these people who repeatedly raise objections against conditional prophecies and refuse to relent? Had they but only the fear of God within their hearts, they would have learned a lesson from the prophecy of Yunus and would not have exhibited such impudence and insolence. Had they but any seed of righteousness within them, they would have realized that the prophecies against which they raise objections are merely two or three in number in comparison to the prophecies which, slapping their faces with fulfillment, number hundreds, nay rather thousands and hundreds of thousands, Quite the contrary, this was a moment for them to reflect upon which side had the majority. Footnote start. In this book I have recorded 187 signs of God Almighty. These are the signs which have nothing dubious about them. Rather, most of these prophecies were published in books and newspapers beforehand. Their eyewitnesses are still alive in thousands.
All of these are such phenomena that transcend human capacity. If you try to search for such a corpus of divine signs and prophecies in the books of any of the Israelite prophets of the past, I hereby declare with authority that you will not find its parallel in the life of any of the Israelite prophets. Supposing such signs to be there on record, where will you find their eyewitnesses? A mere report can never equal an eyewitness account. Christians repeatedly quote the miracles regarding Hazrat Messiah raising the dead, but there exists no proof of even one single incident. No disease has ever returned and intimated the experiences of the hereafter or revealed the truth about heaven and hell or published any book containing an eyewitness account of the wonders of the other world or testified to the existence of angels. On the contrary, by the dead are meant those who resembled the physically or spiritually dead who were granted, as it were, a new life through prayer. The same is true about Esau creating birds. Had he actually created birds, the world would have turned towards him, obviating any possibility of crucifixion. Would the Christians who are so keen on converting Hazrat Isa into God miss such a huge divine sign? Rather, they would have made a mountain out of a molehill. It is so evident that this episode, which is related in the Holy Quran, is not to be taken in any literal sense. Rather, it means something minor which had no great importance of its own. Footnote end. Can they prove that the kind of objection they level against these prophecies or against some error of interpretation are not to be found in the prophecies of the other prophets? Do they know that leaving all other prophets aside, even our holy prophet may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, who was the noblest and most exalted of them all and was Khatumul Anbiya, the seal of the prophets, was not immune to this type of error of interpretation? Was the journey of Huzabiyah not the error of interpretation? Was it not an error of interpretation to consider Yamama or Hijr as the possible places to migrate to? Were there not other errors of interpretation? To list them all would only prolong the list. It does not behove a Muslim to cast such mean aspersions, which even implicate the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Rather, it is the hallmark of those who are truly enemies of Islam. Another folly on their part is that in order to instigate the ignorant masses, they allege that I have laid claim to prophethood, although this is an utterly malicious accusation on their part. No claim has been made to the prophethood that is known to be bared by the Holy Quran. The only claim is that in one aspect I am a follower of the Holy Prophet, and in another, through the grace of the prophethood of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, I am a prophet. And my prophet is only meant that I receive the honor of converse and address of God Almighty plentifully. The truth is what the revered reformer of Sirhind, Mujadid al-Fithani, has recorded in his Maktubat. Though some individuals from among this ummah, i.e. the Muslims, are honored with converse and address with the divine and will continue to be so honored until the day of judgment, yet the individual who is so honored with this converse and address abundantly and to whom the unseen is disclosed abundantly is called a prophet. Now let it be clear that it has been prophesied in the Ahadith, sayings of the Prophet, that there will appear among the Ummah of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, one who will be called Isa, Jesus, and Ibn Maryam, the son of Mary, and will be designated a prophet. 
That is to say, he will be so honored with such plentiful converse and discourse with God, and so plentifully will the news of the unseen be disclosed to him, as cannot be manifested to anyone except a prophet, as is said by the Almighty Allah. In Surah Al-Jinn, chapter 72, verse 27 to 28 of the Holy Quran, meaning that God does not grant anyone complete authority and mastery over his domain of the unseen that can be achieved in abundance and clarity except the one who is his chosen messenger. And this is an established fact that the degree to which God Almighty has conversed and addressed me and the degree to which he has disclosed matters of the unseen to me is a bounty that has not been granted to anyone except me in the last 1,300 years of Hijrah up to this very day. Should anyone challenge this, the honest of proof lies upon him. In short, I am the only one of this Ummah to be honored with so great a share of divine revelation and knowledge of the unseen, and such a great share of this bounty has not been bestowed upon any of the awliya and abdal and aqtab among the Muslims who have passed before me. But no sart, these terms are used to honor the awliyaullah. Footnote end. Therefore, for this reason, I alone have been distinguished for the title of Prophet. None of the others deserve this title because the plentitude of revelation and news of the unseen is the prerequisite for it, and the prerequisite was not found in them. It was indeed necessary for it to occur so that the prophecy by the Holy Prophet may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him be fulfilled with clarity. Had the other righteous ones who passed before me partaken of the converse with the divine and knowledge of the unseen to the same measure, they too would have deserved to be designated prophets. Footnote start. It was laid down in the word of God that the second part of this Ummah will be the Jamaat of the promised Messiah. This is indeed why God Almighty mentioned this Jamaat by singling it out from the rest as he says, in Surah Jumu'ah, chapter 62, verse 4 of the Holy Quran, meaning that there is also another sect as part of the Ummah of the Holy Prophet وسلم, that are still to come in the latter days. And authentic Hadith records that at the time of revelation of this verse, the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, patted Hazrat Salman, the Persian's back, and said, even if the faith had left the earth for the Pleiades, a man of Persia would bring it back. It was a prophecy about me. As recorded in Brahina Ahmadiyya as a testimony to the authenticity of this prophecy, God vouchsafed the same Hadith to me in the form of revelation. According to the revelation, there was no specified person before me to whom this Hadith applied. This revelation of God singled me out. So Allah be praised for all this. End. In such a case, a breach would have occurred in the prophecy of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. The wisdom of God Almighty, therefore, stopped these holy men from partaking of this bounty to the full extent in order to fulfill the prophecy recorded in the authentic ahadith that such a person will only be one. Bear in mind that I have only by way of specimen recorded a few of the prophecies in this book, but in fact there are several hundred thousand prophecies and their series has not yet ended. The word revealed to me by God is so copious that if it were recorded in its entirety, it would run into no less than 20 adza parts. Footnote start, a juz comprises 16 pages.
Here I end this book at this much, and wish from God Almighty that he may bless it with his blessings, and draw towards me hundreds of thousands of hearts by means of this. Amen. In the end our prayer is, All praise be to Allah, the Lord of the worlds. The End A Poem Since I have been commanded to address myself to the followers of the Messiah, so have I been wisely designated Ibn Maryam. The heavens rain signs, and the earth proclaims the time. These two are the witnesses testifying to the truth of my claim. My coming is neither needless nor ill-timed. Out of ignorance and prejudice have my people opposed me. O oh, the one who doubts, do not look at me with distrust. Instead, behold the mischief and disorder rampant in the world. Friends, since the earth has opened a hundred doors to sin and disorder, little wonder, therefore, a door to the heavens has also been flung open. Transcribed by Humblest of the Humble, Ghulam Muhammad of Amritsar, October 1st, 1906.